This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I am joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I fell victim this weekend to a decision I made like, I don't know, eight months ago, nine months ago now. Um, I saw, I was planning on running a half marathon in May and signed up for it, was ready to go, was training for it back then and you know obviously got canceled because of covid it got moved to a virtual race and i was kind of planning like uh, whatever like maybe i'll get my money back or whatever i don't i don't really care to do a half marathon virtually well it snuck up on me really quick and i kind of forgot about it and i guess you don't get a refund for this race and the only way to like really get your you know, t-shirt, which I guess at this point is like a $120 t-shirt. So I was like, well, I'm not just going to not do it. So I had to, uh, I had to struggle through 13.1 miles this week, did not race it. I just merely ran it and slugged through it. And it was completely miserable. It was the longest run I've done in like, I don't know, it feels like years at this point. Um, so I guess, I mean, I suppose I couldn't have predicted COVID, but it's just one of those examples of I just thought that this day would never come that I'd have to pay the piper to actually run this race and you know get my time in and 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 get this hundred and twenty dollar t shirt, but I had to slug it through this weekend and it was not fun. Let's see, over under one thirty five. Oh no, we, we didn't race it. I, I had a, a buddy of mine come down, we slugged through at some I didn't say at, race it. Uh, we we did it was over that over that (laughs) for sure it was it was a i mean the longest run i've done (laughs) in months is like five or six miles we you know we were crushing like 730 740 pace just just enjoying ourselves out there what was the time michael i don't know what is 730 740 pace you want to bring my my calendar I'm not sure I need a calendar. Maybe a watch. Maybe a calculator might be able to help. By calendar. By calendar, I meant calculator. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I am doing very, very, very very good right now. However, it hasn't been a smooth transition to the new HOS over here. So my issue is this new house, my my go-to running routes are some of the main routes I would do during the mileage challenge. And I really like have n- never done these before besides under mileage challenge. I was looking for like that flat one, something I was running late at night. So I didn't have to worry about getting hit by cars and such, but there's enough lights. And so my, I'm running a lot more now. I'm trying to get back in shape and all my runs. I, I literally am getting like these flashbacks and these just like visceral feelings to going out and running. Because all the runs we did in the mileage challenge were like so terrible after the first two that when I do these routes, it's it's PTSD for it. It's crazy. Yeah, that that's happened to me a couple times since the since the P2E showdown where I'd go for a run and said I I haven't done this run since since midnight 
on on Thursday night the, the <laughs> during the during the P2E showdown. That's definitely happened to me. But. I may have permanently ruined a couple routes. I don't know <laughs> if it's recoverable. <laughs> so that that's another issue that I'm having here with this virtual half marathon I just ran because the route that I did for it was one that I did at the P2E two miler and I ran significantly faster during that and I have that on Strava and it was during the open period for when you could use it the problem is I had agreed to do this with a buddy and we were both like super out of shape by the time we ran it so now I have this like super slow time that I did with him but I still do have that run saved from whenever we did the P2E like is it would it be a, a completely jerk move if I just used my Strava attempt from like four months ago and submitted that even though I just ran the race with him. I don't know. How do we feel about that? I think you're running away from the real problems here that you're <laughs> Yeah, I mean now. maybe. And and Trent, I my other question is I think you're having additional problems at that the the new HOS. I think you might have some like ghost problems or something because you've never had like camera flickering issues. You got some like weird like your camera keeps going like black and white and some weird things keep happening on your camera. I don't yeah, know. I think they're definitely haunted. Definitely yeah. There's haunted. some, there's some, there's some supernatural stuff going on behind you right now. It is an old house right now. I'm on the top floor. I'm kind of in like a converted in attic. The I think. attic. Yeah. We, yeah. House is, house is 100% haunted. Oh, we're boy. a big ghost podcast too. Big alien podcast as noted in the past. Maybe this is more of an alien thing. I don't know. I hope it's an alien thing. That's a little cooler than a ghost <laughs> thing, but Hey guys, I got I got a quick quick question for you. Do you know what we were doing on this day last year? Yes, because I looked at the story. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this point last year, so we were we were in New York City for the uh, the the Fifth Avenue Mile. So on September eighth last year, recording this on September eighth, we were we were watching the. We were watching the Fifth Avenue Mile. Trent had to leave. He had to take a bus back. Mike and I went out, watched the first Patriots game of the year, went and party at Coogan's, you know, which is which is now gone after the race. Got to hang out with a bunch of friends of the program. But the night before, I mean, was just wild. We were partying in New York City. We were, we were at the comedy club. We were at rooftop bars. We were celebrating the fact that Antonio Brown was signing with the Patriots and the Patriots are on their way to their seventh Super Bowl. And, and my whole thought is just like, man, a lot has changed in a year. I mean, it's just, it, it was actually when I realized that it, that was the date of the, of the fifth Avenue mile last year, I kind of got a little depressed. It was the first time where it was just like, dang, I really miss going to live sports. I miss going to bars. I miss hanging out with groups of people. Steve, so many things that happened that weekend are just like ridiculous to think about even considering doing now. Like, first of all, like being stuck inside that little like comedy cellar packed in with a bunch of people. That's not going to, I mean, just the fact of like going to New York city is just something that's not on my radar right now. Being excited about Antonio Brown is yeah, right. hilarious. Is hilarious that, might, that might be the now. most ridiculous thing yeah, that out might of all be the of funny things. Thing. I mean, if you told just, me like you couldn't these events, that's one thing. If you told me Antonio Brown, you wouldn't be excited for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a year, what a weekend. A year, a year's changed. A lot. What a weekend. The best weekend. Such a great weekend. I'm. I mean, that was yeah. That was that was a fun weekend. And you know, and I was watching some clips. There's nothing better than a road mile. A road mile is like the most fun race to watch. So, man. I need this. I need this COVID crap to be over. All right, Mike, let's kick off the running news.
Alrighty, gentlemen. So to start off the running news, we previewed it last week, but Mo Farah, Safan Hassan went after the one hour world record, both crushing it. We got two new world record holders. I mean, yeah, that happened. So I was on the record last week saying that I was excited, looking forward to this. Um, when it was actually happening and now that it's happened, I could not care less about this. Like the, I, when I first heard it, I was like, Oh, this sounds kind of cool. But then I realized it's just like, it's probably the most boring thing to ever watch. And it's just like, what does it mean? You didn't win a race. You just covered a certain amount of distance in a certain amount of time. Yeah. I could, I could not care less about this. So I didn't know it was going to be part of like a diamond league event. I think it was night before a lot of the good stuff. But uh, I appreciate Diamond League stepping out of their comfort zone, doing something like weird like this. But yeah, my biggest takeaway was, well, these guys just didn't screw up, right? Like this, this is not a record sought after. Mo definitely should have had it. But uh, there was one person that did screw up. Did you guys see this? Uh, her name, Bridget Kosgi. Kosgi. I don't know how to say it. Kosgi. Uh, she's, uh, she's the marathon world record holder. Yeah. Well, I should probably know how to say her name then. Um, let's cut <laughs> that and, and give me the right pronunciation there. But she... Didn't win the race, but she did beat the previous world record. She stepped on the inside of the track one time out of like 47 laps or how many, you know, you can do in a like in an hour. And she was DQ'd. So I oh really like God. just that stands out more to me. Like imagine being DQ'd for stepping inside. If you step inside on like a one mile, you know, that's that sucks. If you step inside on a one hour race, I mean, my God. Wait, hold on, hold on. And this is exposing how little I cared about this event. They did this on a track. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think they were going to do it on? I don't know. They ran an hour on a track. That sounds horrible. They did it. You couldn't have, you couldn't have found like a road loop or, you know, like something like the, you no, that, the that's, marathons that's, or whatever. That's the whole point of the record is to do it on oh, the track. Oh, God. That, this is even more miserable than I thought. This record stinks. And yeah, okay, you're going to put... Mo Farah and uh, Safan Hassan and Bridget Cosguy on a track and you think that they're not going to break this world record. I mean, this was, they should have just gave it to him. Said, you don't need to, you don't need to run. Like you're going to, the world record's yours. Did, did, uh, did, did Cosguy, did she get like uh, DQ'd on the spot or was it after the hour? After they, the hour. Cause she, oh, they made her God. finish it. They made I her would finish it. lose oh. my mind. I mean, gonna be full disclosure i didn't watch the full thing i was reading the recap of it and that is what i read so but how, wrong, how, did, how can that me, happen but... how can that i don't understand would she just did she just trip and and kind of like put one foot on the inside of the track what Maybe is the rule on that because on? because that happens during races regularly and people don't get disqualified Maybe it's just like I'm just seeing it happen at like high school and college races and not at the world level. But like, what no, is the, the, what is the it, rule on that? It has to do with intent, right? It's like if like if you get bumped and you take a step on the inside of the track, I think that's one thing. I think if like it's part of a move or like you're passing on the inside or I don't know, I don't know the exact ruling, but I, I don't I, I don't think it's as clear cut as if your foot even like crosses the line at all you're done I, I definitely think there's like it's more there's more that goes into the rule than that so i was uh i was racing this was my first year out of college and i was at like i think it was 
trying to remember. I think it was like the BU Valentine's or it was, it was one of the BU meets and I signed up for the mile just because like I, I wanted to try and get my mile time down. I've never trained for the mile. And there was this kid in the race and like, I guess it was his thing. He loved looking for opportunities to pass people on the inside. And so we were coming around one of the turns and he went to give me a swim move. Right. So he put his hand on my left shoulder and went to go over me. And as he's going over me, I grabbed his, his armpit and I threw him as far as I possibly could into the infield. And like, he like cut off, he cut off like an eighth of the track when I threw him in the infield, but he was allowed to come back on and race the rest of the race. I never, I never understood that. I never understood the stepping on the infield rule. I'm looking at the zoomed in photo right now. It was with about seven minutes left in the race. She was right there at the lead pack and she just momentarily lost her balance. It looks like coming around a bend. She's like in first place at this point steps on it. Nobody blew the whistle on it until after the race. Just crazy. All right. So in, in my very quick Google search here, this is what I'm finding for the rule. An infraction occurs when running around a curve and a runner steps on or over the inside lane for three or more consecutive steps. So this must have been just like the world record rule. I mm. guess. I don't know. Three or more consecutive steps. Man, you gotta use those, you gotta use those two steps wisely, right? If you do, yeah, how many two <laughs> I mean, steps are you allowed? I mean, why are we not why are we not using these two steps a little bit more frequently? You gotta get every edge you can out there. Again, I, I, this is a quick Google search, so I might not even be looking at the right thing, but it specifically says on a curve, too. So it sounds like the straightaways are fair game, baby. <laughs> Let it happen on the straightaways. Oh, man. It's crazy. I mean, we, 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 <laughs> we all raced in college. We have, a, we have a track podcast, and we don't know the rules of our sport. So. We, should, uh, we should get a yellow jacket on this. It would be fun. One of those old track officials, high school track officials. Get them on. We can just rip into them on a bunch of things. No, get the clarification on the rules. They're just going to yell at us the whole time for not knowing the rules. <laughs> it could be kind of funny. <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't dig through these USATF rule books anymore. That was, that was painful enough. Let's move on to the next thing. All right. So our guy, Chep the guy, just broke. Should we try and call the USATF office? Well, do you think they'll? Do you think they have a? Uh, do they have a number? I mean, the USATF has just like a phone number. Call it. All right, I'll call Put it. Put it on speakerphone and hold up to your microphone. This is the USATF national hotline? Yeah, call it. Put it on speakerphone. Hi, Kristen. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm calling on behalf of the Peak Too Early podcast. Uh, this past weekend, there was a track event, a Diamond League event, where uh, Bridget Cosguy stepped on the inside of the track and was disqualified from a world record. 
uh, we were a little bit uh, weary on the, the rules and the rulebook of stepping on side the track there. And we're hoping to get some rule clarification. Uh, if you or somebody else in the USATF could please uh, give us a call and let us know where, where we can best solve this issue of how track fans know what is considered a disqualification for stepping on the inside of the track. I appreciate it. You can give me a call back at thank you all right right. see that that's the hard-hitting journalism you get right here on peak too early if we don't know the rules we're gonna figure it out so hopefully we get a call back from the usatf to explain that to us and we'll let we'll play it live on the podcast it's gonna be an interesting call to take at lunch tomorrow at at work (laughs) time recording if you can they you you dropped the peak too early so the usatf office at the very least is going to be looking up what peak too early is that's a good point they're going to be very disappointed in what they find. It's going to be a bunch of yellow jackets just being like, what are these What are these kids talking about? In other news, our guy, Joshua Chept guy, pretty much calling a shot again, says that in early October, he is going after the 10K world record. What do we think? I love it. I mean, we've said it before. We, I mean, he's, he's called the shot and, uh, you know, we need we need more flair. We need more bravado. We need more um, just kind of excitement in the sport. And uh, calling your shot in like these crazy world records is it the the one I've said this before on the podcast. But we do need a little bit more flair from Joshua Chapter Guy. You can't be the guy that's calling your shot to break these world records and also be the guy that comes across the finish line when you broke the world record and stop your watch and barely celebrate. You got to have the bravado to call your shot and celebrate as soon as you cross the finish line. So keep it going, Joshua. I love it, but we need a little bit more flair on the track. Agreed, Steve. But if he's not going to have the flair, he's got the PR team that has the flair. They released a hype video that was pretty badass. That was going back to like the last time the record was broken by Bekele, but calling the shot, putting the date on the calendar, you know, this far in advance is the best. Like I literally went to my calendar today and I put it in, you know, checked the guy 10 K attempt for October 7th. It's, it's a random Wednesday. I don't know why it's got to be on a Wednesday. I can't move into a Friday night or something, but I'll find a way to watch it because it's very clear where we're like tuning in for it. And I can put it on the schedule and I'm not going to miss that one. So I love it. I love the confidence and I, and I love giving us fans like, you know, the know how of when exactly to tune in to see a world record fall. So what would you guys place like the, if it was just like yes or no, like what would the odds be that he will break the 10K world record? I mean, on that date? Yeah, yeah. So I like think, on I October think the, 7th. I think, the like, odds, I think the odds that Joshua Trepta guy will break the, will break the 10K record eventually in his career are very, like are very high. Like, or depends how you want to look at it. It's like he is the favorite to eventually break the record. To call it on a specific date, that's a little trickier, I think. But I don't think it's. I think I'd give him like plus plus one seventy five odds that he'll. Yeah, break I mean, the record. I, I mean, I think that that's even like pretty generous because, like you said, I do think that he will be the world record on the ten k. But to call it on a specific date and show up and have everything go right and and break a beca- another Bekele record on a specific date. I mean, I'm even think. I mean, that's like it's got to be like between plus 250 and plus 300. Like, I it, I don't think it's good odds. Now, I'm a betting man, and I would take it, whatever it is. I'm taking it. I'm just saying it's like, 
especially coming off a world record that he just called. He's cocky. He's feeling confident. To call your shot back-to-back races and break two world records and back-to-back shots called, I don't think it's super likely. And I would say it's probably more likely that it won't happen. But, I mean, again, two of the more difficult records in the sport to break. Yeah, coming off, like, you know, one of the greatest distance runners of all times records, like, it's not likely. I would say it's it's very unlikely that he will break this record. But, like Trent said, I'm going to be marking my calendar, and I'm ready for it. And I, I totally agree that rationally and realistically, you know, if you're you're making the, the odds, right, you're, you're the bookmaker, you got to put it, like you said, between plus 175, plus 250, something like that. But doesn't it just feel like he's got it? Like, like I know, I know it's crazy to pick one day he's going to win on that date, but the way he's been running and just the confidence and the swag, like I am all bought in on this. I just, I would bet whatever the odds are that he breaks it. It just, he's got the feeling in the air. Like he's just a world record waiting to happen every time he steps on a track. Yeah. See, somebody, Trent, that somebody is, booked these, somebody booked these bets. I want to place this bet. That, that is a, the perfect way to put it right there like the difference between a bookmaker and a gambler right like the bookmaker looks at all like the probabilities like the mathematical things is this likely to happen the gambler is like no this just like feels like it's gonna happen josh is like he's ready to roll he's running fast it's gonna happen i feel great about it that is that is you just laid it out as as clean cut and as perfect and, and, and like able to understand as possible hey i've always wanted to be a bookmaker but I haven't achieved that life goal yet. I'm still a gambler and I can still go by that, you know, that angle. I think it might right. be illegal to be a bookmaker, but. Eh. No, nah, work right. for the casinos or something. If, yeah, it's going to be illegal anywhere. All right. So in other news, this is a little bit more of the same. Some bad news for the sport. William and Mary announces that they are cutting their men's track and field cross-country programs. Just add it to the list. Another D1, you know, a very successful D1 program gone. What do we think? I think we're going to get into – go ahead, Trent. I think we need a new theme song or like a riding dirty type of thing for segments we don't want to talk about but we have to talk about because it's too important. I mean, yeah, we're going to get into this this topic later on in our interview. But, yeah, I mean, it's like it's another program. It's like I know a lot of people that ran for William & Mary, and it's like they were a good program. And it's just like it, it just it doesn't make sense. It's like these – I feel like colleges and universities have have so much money, right? They have so much money to do so much stuff with their, their school, with their campus, whatever. And the track and field program you have is, been the one for it me. doesn't cost a lot Goodbye, of money. Goodbye, my lover. It doesn't, and it, it, Goodbye, it doesn't make sense. Goodbye, my friend. Like, you have been the one. Well, I guess it does make sense. You have been the one for me. Tax, but it's for a really crappy reason. I mean, it, I mean, it's 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 in a, our sports in a bad spot, especially in the, at the college level right now. I mean, Trent, when you think of William and Mary track and field, what do you think of? The big meet we had there. What was it, 2014, probably, when we all went down? Yeah, four by 1,500 meters school record. <laughs> oh, I God. Mean, so you just a, put this on there just to talk about That's a big meet. Your, yeah, your fake school That's record. a big meet where, you know, things happen. No, but in all seriousness, like, I remember going, because we that William & Mary is the meet that we would travel to, um, you know, every couple of years when, when we were in college. And 
it just felt like a huge meet. It was like, wow, we're going to like a really big meet. There was a bunch of big schools there. It, it felt like real D1 track and field. And like you had made it big when you're going to, to run at William and Mary. And it's like, that one took me by surprise. I would say we've talked about it. We're like, you know, I have personal connections and there's been stuff that's like, Oh wow. That one like kind of hurt. I would say William and Mary was the first one that I was like, Whoa, like that, that one like legitimately took me by surprise that that program is gone. Yeah. Great running town too. There's all these great trails by the river there. That was just like, the place is born to be good. No, but they've had a lot of success. I was, I was doing my like, you know, 32nd research on it. Wikipedia research. 12 national champions have come out of William & Mary. So they've had like legit runners come out. I just think like, you know, uh, one goes here, one goes there. It's sad, right? Because we have connections or just the, you know, it's going to be weird to see a team not not existing anymore. But we're going to start doing some real harm to the sport here, right? Like the, the, the college track and field brings athletes from all over the world to come run in America, right? And it's such a funnel and like a gets people running because people sure as hell don't care about the pros enough out here. People do follow the, the college stuff. And when you're cutting back these programs, I mean, it's, it's slow, right? It's one at a time, but you're just back like layers of the onion here. And we're going to start seeing some real damage. If, if you keep seeing some programs, you know, go by the wayside, it's sad. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's at the, that's at the high level, right? And then at the low level, the great thing about a sport like track and field is if you're willing to work hard enough, you can probably get on a college team somewhere. If you have a shred of talent and you're willing to work hard enough, you're willing to grind it out, you can probably get on a college team somewhere. And like the more that these programs start to go at the top level, they're going to start going at all levels and there's just less and less opportunity. I mean, I think all of us, all of us were kind of in that situation where, you know, we weren't, we weren't going D1. We weren't, we weren't, you know, kind of going to the highest level, but we loved the sport and we were willing to work our butts off to, to be on a team and, and, and compete. And I just think that the more that these teams go, the, the less and less opportunities is going to be. And you so, brought up the finances shame. too. Like a team like yeah. William and Mary, they, they should not have any money problems or, or it shouldn't be that pressing when you need to cut it, right? But these smaller schools, right, the D3s out there, the D2s out there, and some of the lower level D1s, those are the schools that don't have as big of an endowment. Those are the schools that are not going to be able to support it if they're not getting any you know, if expenses are crazy because of the world we live in these days. So it's a shame. All right, let's get to our last and a little bit more fun topic. So some startup out there has released plans for a new product. And I guess the best way I can describe this, right? It's like these, these stupid virtual reality goggles that you put on when you run and <laughs> it projects a this blue figure that is supposed to pace you on your run so you can use them if you you don't want to race against your little blue friend there or you know you're, you're trying to do a virtual half marathon and you want this guy to pace you in a half marathon you put these goggles on and you run with your little blue friend what do, what do we think of this new revolutionary running product I mean, if, if it's, I mean, if it looks anything like the videos, I mean, it looks like shit, right? I mean, if you're going to do this, you need to make it look somewhat virtual reality. Like you need to make it look the, the running figure that's next to you or in front of you. It needs to look halfway decent. The videos look terrible. It's just like a blob, right? (laughs) But I mean, doesn't everybody have something like this on their wrist? 
like isn't your watch or your gps watch doesn't add have the ability to keep you on pace i mean what's the difference between that and a little blue blob in the corner of your eye i mean the difference is the blue blob right you get to look at something that's running away from you as you go through it now there's there's some advantages of it right if you're doing like a track workout and you're doing like a long tempo or something you need something just keep your eyes up rather than doing all that math on your wrist or something like that but i got a lot of questions about this i'm not i'm not so sold on it just yet first question uh, I mean, Steve, I just brought it up, but like, can we get the guy to look a little less like a, you know, a blob and actually have some running for him? Cause it looks terrible. And the other thing on the looks is, can we get some shades that are just not hideous? I mean, those guys look ridiculous <laughs> wearing those. Am I right? Yeah. yeah Thank you. Um, what happens if I pass the guy, right? Am I just paying for these to see nothing? You know, the guy's <laughs> just behind me and I spend like 300 bucks on these virtual whatever goggles. Um, and then my other question is, can I customize it to be someone I don't like? Like Ooh. if I'm trying to win the two mile and I just put like Mike up there or something, right? <laughs> like that could be kind of fun. Yeah. I think all great points. I don't know. When I saw this video and I saw like this, like, like you said, just terrible blue blob. To me, it just looked like like the preview for some terrible like robots take over the world type movie, right? Like the, you'd be running with your blue blob. He'd be pacing you and he would slowly befriend you and you become reliant <laughs> on this blue blob. And next thing you know, you can't run without him. And then he starts talking you into doing all these crazy things. And, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're trying to take over the world because this blue blob keeps putting these things in your ear. I don't know. To me, it doesn't, I don't trust the guy. I don't trust this blue blob. He's just, I'm not going for a run with him. I don't know. Find a neighbor, go, you know, join a, a running club, get a GPS watch. I'm not putting on these glasses. I'm not, you know, becoming subject to, you know, this blue blob robot takeover. Yeah, I mean, what if you have a Michael Michael Scott situation where he uh, he runs you into a lake or runs you off? That's a, cliff. a great point, Steve. If you become so dependent on the blue blob to pace you, I mean, he might be running you right off a cliff, right into the Grand Canyon or something like that. Yeah, I think I had like a serious positive for it, but this this has gone too far off that I don't even want to go. To. Let's just leave it. <laughs> no, at that. no, I like it. I like it. Let's let's completely change gears. What is your positive? So. Not yet, right? We got a lot of work on this technology to advance from the blue blob. But P2E two miler, right? Everyone's at home having a race on the track. If you could like see the other runners out there somehow, right? You know, this is a couple years down the line. You put your shades on and everybody's kind of doing a virtual race on a track. Hopefully that's only important during a time like COVID. But there could be some cool technology there where you're, you're actually seeing the other racers and where they're at like in real time. Or everybody that is focusing their energy technology brain power on creating these goggles i want to take them off of that project and put them on the project to find a vaccine because once we find a once we find a, a vaccine for covid we don't have to worry about any of that great point. i was gonna say if we're starting to rely on these virtual races and virtual glasses to do racing i don't want to do racing anymore yeah the, the only thing better Trent, then, you know, having your blue, your friends be being represented as blue blobs is to actually be racing your friends on a track or on a race course. Well, Mike, maybe you go to horrible Mary series. You don't have that opportunity. Maybe. <laughs> good point, Trent. And good point. God, 
<laughs> all right, gentlemen, that's all I got for the news today. All right, let's get into our interview with Dana Giordano of the Boston Athletic Association. Dana's a professional runner. She also is a fellow podcaster. She's got a podcast more than running. So after you're done listening to this one, go check out her podcast. Let's talk to her. Hey, Hello. look at you. You got a mic. You're all set up. Oh, yeah. You know, I figured I have my mic. Might as well use Might it. As well. That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for making some time to, to come on and chat with us. For sure. This is great. So are you, uh, are you still in Boston right now or the Boston area? Yes, I'm still in Boston. I kind of spent the summer like bopping around, but now September 1st was day one of practice. So we're back. So you're back. So I feel like most people right now are taking a little bit of downtime. Are you, are you ramping it up right now? Uh, well, day one of practice is definitely not ramping it up, but we're starting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, we kind of had more freedom and flexibility this summer just because things in Boston, I don't know, if it, I don't know where you guys are from, but Boston's been pretty strict uh, with COVID. So um, I really didn't want to run with a mask the whole summer because it's just awful. Uh, so I escaped to Park City for about a month and then I've been at my parents' house. They have a place in Cape Cod, so I'm pretty lucky. So this is a this is kind of a, a slightly different interview for us because we're actually interviewing somebody in the same time zone as us. Usually we're interviewing people out in Colorado and California. So we're all from the Boston area. Oh, yeah. Oh. just got the new apartment. Happy September 1st. Thank you. Thank you. Big moving day. Austin, did you hit up Austin Christmas? Did you find any good furniture? Uh, we kind of drove around, but honestly, with COVID, it's a little sketch. So we were kind of like, eh, maybe, maybe not today. Fair enough. I'll let you know if I clean out anything that, that needs a good home. Yeah, ma- mainly we just need gym equipment, and I don't think people are letting go of that right now. Gym equipment is impossible right now. Like, I was trying to get my mom some dumbbells for her birthday. You cannot find anything. So if any listeners are out there, have any gym equipment, um, let Dana and myself know. And uh, <laughs> we'll see if that works. For sure. So heading into, heading into the uh, you know, early practices and not really ramping up, just kind of getting started with practices right now. What are your goals for this uh, kind of coming year? Yeah, I mean, ideally would love to race more. This summer was total letdown, um, but we, we kind of made the best of it. I did one like official race um, that someone local put on, which was great, but it ended up being like people didn't get the COVID test in time. So it was just like me and a pacer and like a couple of people like pretty far back. So that was such a bummer. And then I did like two pretty unofficial time trials. So I've kind of like accepted that the fall – there won't be races, but I'm like praying for 2021. So sure. you're, you're in Falmouth, right? Or you, you've had a, a house there. I'm not sure if that's maybe not right now, but your family's house is there, right? Yeah. My parents live in Woods Hole. So like the start of the Falmouth Road Race. I was going to say, so did you run the virtual Falmouth Road Race this year? I did not do the virtual race. Yeah. The virtual racing is great, but I, uh, I kind of did, I don't know if you guys did, there was like a local thing pretty early on in quarantine that I was on a Sidious mag team. There was like a, a mile, a 5k, a half and a 10k. And I was like, I can only do these within my current workouts. I'm not going to change what I'm doing for your virtual racing series. So some of mine were good and some were not participation for them. But we had a great team. I think we got second co-ed team. So with like all the, 
you know, lack of racing there's been and you trying to get back into the group. Do you anticipate, you know, there's going to be some grace period, dusting off the cobwebs? I, I know you've been, you know, running and racing, you know, the better part of your life. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of like, you know, riding a bike where you're going to hop right back on and you're back into it? Or do you expect that the first couple of races, real races back are going to kind of be trying to figure out how to do it again? Yeah. So when I showed up to that, uh, end of July local race, it was, even there was no people. I was, I think everyone's just so excited. There's so much like pent up energy. I understand the roaring twenties. Now I understand why they partied their faces off after the 1918 pandemic, because it's like, we've just been stuck here. Um, so I honestly think that people will get on it pretty quickly when it counts. Um, it's definitely frustrating that you couldn't get the Olympic standards this summer. So I think if that was a possibility, you would have seen much faster racing this summer. Yeah. Remember bars? Bars were awesome. Bars <laughs> were awesome. But, you know, yeah. it's probably for the best that I'm not at bars. <laughs> hey, so we were actually just talking about this before you came on. So what so what, in terms of the Olympic standards, so is everything mm-hmm. frozen right now? You're not allowed. So if you hit a standard, it doesn't count, or is that still kind of in dispute? So for the Olympic standard, I believe it's until December that like World Athletics froze it. But you can get the Olympic trials, like the USA Olympic trial standard, but it has to be in a sanctioned meet. So there's been a lot of like unsanctioned racing. So I think that guy who ran like really fast mile in South Carolina, like that whole race was unsanctioned. Yeah. So it counts for nothing. But to get a sanctioned meet for USATF, you have to get two negative COVID tests within seven days, which is very challenging um, and sometimes expensive. So it yeah. is so a pretty big barrier. Each participant needs to have two negative COVIDs in the last seven days? Yes. So when there was a lot of racing going in Oregon and all those nice certified meets, it's every single person doing there is getting two negative results within a week. Holy smokes. As a person that sat out like in a 45, you know, 95 degree day and just sitting out in a parking lot somewhere in East Boston trying to get my COVID test. I'm glad I wasn't trying to pack two in per week because that's that's a big ask for people. It really is, especially in like the Boston area, because we were hit bad so early. I think there is a certain level of, okay, I'm healthy and I'm trying to run a track race. Should I really be taking away a COVID test for someone who's trying to get back to work? Like that kind of feels wrong to me. Yes, sure. no, but this is your work, right? It is your job. If you're not able to get out there, compete and hit certain standards or at least kind of progress, then you're not able to do your job. So, you sure. know, I, I wish that USATF honestly took a stronger leadership stance in the testing and like provided kind of a way for athletes to like get testing. But again, it's always like this tiered system. So if you're tiered, you get benefits. If you're not tiered, you kind of get let out a little. So it's tough, but I wish like USA track and field was like bigger, like the NFL or the NHL or any of these bubbles, they could be like, Hey, we're going to do these certain of our meets. These are going to count. This is how much testing we're going to support. If you have these standards, like we'll support it, but it's really just come on the back of a lot of like really phenomenal individuals. So like my teammates doing a meet on Monday, um, her husband's putting one on and it's like a 5k and 800, uh, 3k and a couple other things, but it's like my teammate's husband is doing it, you know? So it's all these awesome individuals who are putting things on. What, what teammate? Elena Tab. Okay. Where, where is the race going to be? I actually don't know, and I don't think they're publicizing it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hidden Keep location. Press up. You don't want to break the news really here? I actually don't know where it is, so I should probably ask. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm volunteering, so I should know that. You would, 
you would think, right, if, if it requires the two negative tests that the USATF would, would want to like send some more investment and get, uh, you know, a better system up and running to have more sanctions. I mean, we've been talking all summer about how much mm-hmm. we just miss track meets. And lately, there's some ones that are coming back, like you just mentioned, it was the South Carolina track fest. Um, but more track meets are coming. But we had this like stretch there where you would think any like resources they could go in to create more sanctioned events and to get mm-hmm. more pro runners out there uh, would have been a good thing. So I agree, questionable. Yeah, it, I, I mean, I guess we all don't realize like how expensive it is to put on track meets and without the fans and concessions is that you're not even covering your costs. So I think it's like $4,000 to have a sanction. That's, that's a totally made up number, but it's a certain amount of money to put on a sanctioned race. So you're paying the officials, you're paying the timer, the clock. So those are like people that you have to bring there. So how are those people getting paid? And it's like, okay, the local running store usually throws in a couple thousand dollars to support you. They're not doing well either. So it's just like a domino effect. So I don't blame anyone, but I would have hoped it would have gotten back a little sooner too. So when I was scrolling through, you know, your Twitter feed, which by the way, you're a great follow on Twitter. I recommend everyone go follow, follow Dana on Twitter, but I get the impression that you are, you know, just a, a genuine fan of the sport, right? You know, you're involved in the sport, but you're also a fan of the sport. What is that like? What is that dynamic for you where it's like these, you're part of the community, you're racing all these people, but it's also something that you enjoy following and enjoy being a fan of? For sure. That's a really good question. So I became a fan of the sport because in high school, I needed to, to have something to talk to my coach about when we would run together. So I'd be like, okay, I need to like learn about the sport. But like, we don't really encourage like high school girls to like learn about the sport at all. Like high school girls, it's not cool for you to go on like chill and let's run. Like, let's be honest. That's not great. But it is one of those things that like, I, I love watching it. I think it's entertainment. I think the storylines are amazing. We just do such a, as the sport, like we don't do a great job of telling it, but like the Olympics kills it every four years they just like absolutely crush you care about people you never even knew about they do such a good job but yeah it's interesting so I worked for two and a half years full-time and then after I went to Dartmouth graduated in 2016 then I worked for two and a half years full-time and now I'm back in so I've seen both sides of it and I think that that's the cool part of seeing both sides is realizing I understand my position in the sport and I know my shot of making it is small but not impossible like people break out all the time so it's it's kind of cool it's like one of the main reasons why I got back into professional why I started professional running when I quit my job last year was there was girls that I was beating in college that are crushing it now so now I'm like I'm just as good as them so it's it's one of those things I don't know how to explain it fully that's a terrible explanation no that I mean that makes so much sense I mean if there's somebody that you used to beat and they're out there crushing it and they're you know able to achieve stuff that you want to achieve that makes total sense to me yeah and it's like I'm kind of a USA versus the world person too yeah like it is better uh, for all of us when certain teams are killing it you know it raises the bar there are 10 women in the 1500 who have the Olympic standard already. Like that's better for all of us. You know, we can be known as like globally competitive. Like that's very cool to me. I mean, that, that's, um, that's one of the reasons we started this podcast. Cause all three of us, we ran in college mm-hmm. and we're, we're out of college and we're like, you know, we're, we're huge, we're huge sports fans. And we're just like, you know what, why aren't we 
following the sport that we competed in and we participated in. And we decided like, well, the reason we're not is because we're not, there's no outlets that we really enjoy following. So we wanted to create an outlet that people, you know, that. guys like us would enjoy to listen to and, and, and follow. So yeah, I, I agree. And I, I feel like that's part of the reason why you started your podcast as well. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, different, different vibe of the podcast. I think mine's more of like a, definitely a little more emotional storytelling. Um, but I fully am here for this podcast because it's similar to four years, I guess it was in Rio. I found these two guys, they worked, worked at Sports Illustrated and they were, this was just like their side project that they, every single night they had a podcast recap having their hot takes on the Olympics. And it was like, not the primetime thing. It was like the actual hot takes. And I was like, this is so good because it's like what I was thinking when I was watching and no one's doing this. So I listened to a couple of episodes of you guys. And I was like, that's what they're doing. They're getting their hot takes in. And <laughs> yep. it's like what everyone's thinking, but like NBC sports isn't going to like banter about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. Like, I think when you get around to the Olympics, you get some really cool coverage of the sport, but in general, coverage of the sport kind of stinks and so yeah. in general and i agree i think that we're you know we're coming at it from from different angles but i think we're we're both kind of contributing to making the sport more fun to follow and and finding For different sure. re reasons to follow the sport yeah uh, and but i really I appreciate that you guys have like a diversity of guests too you know you've got like some heavy hitters on the pod like i didn't listen to all of them but like you got some big names and then you have some some people that like are in an interesting listen so i, I love that Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. That means a lot coming from coming from you. But, you know, I, I did want to circle back a little bit and because and, you mentioned it, you used to work for Reebok, right? Mm -hmm. I did. So, and so, you know, and you kind of went the reverse, I think, what of a lot of athletes do where a lot of athletes kind of come out of college, they start, you know, their pro running career, and then maybe mm -hmm. they transition to working on on the brand side, you started off on the brand side. And like you talked about, you wanted to kind of go more to uh, the, the competition side. So you kind of went in reverse of most athletes, I got to mm -hmm. imagine that was kind of a scary move for you because, you know, I feel like when you're working for a brand, it's a little bit more stable. When you're a professional athlete, you're putting yourself out there, right? You're, you're, mm -hmm. it's a risky profession to be in, especially in this sport where there's not a ton of money to be made. Um, did, was that, were you hesitant at all? Or were you just like, I'm all in on this. I want to make this happen. I want to follow my dream. Yeah. I thankfully had like, Every single time I brought it up to people, there was never a single person who told me it was a bad idea. And I think that just goes to show like who you surround yourself with, all that. But I was not happy working there by the end. And I think a lot of people like glamorize working in like the footwear industry and things like that. Like it's what we all grow up like wanting to do. But it's still a job. It's still a nine to five. Like you're still like reporting to someone, got to work your way up. You're not the one calling shots on the big ads and all that. And I, I think I saw like something on Instagram that was like, never give up on something that you can't go a day without thinking about. And so I was just sitting at my desk every single day being like, I can't get this out of my head. Like, and in 2016, I was the first one out of the Olympic trials. So I was like the 31st on the list. They take 30 in each event. And so I watched the Olympic trials and I was like, you were literally right there. You were so close. So you got to give it a shot. Like you got to try, like you have the rest of your life to sit in this desk. So yeah, it was, it's definitely scary. I mean, it's really scary right now. Cause like you don't prize money opportunities, don't have all that, but I don't know. I think it all works out in the end. 
it get me fired up over here, Dana. I'm thinking about returning to my running career. I'm not sure if I'll have yeah, a right. success. Well, I did had. so much. Like I did the whole thing. I woke up at the six in the mornings. I went to the Harvard indoor track. Like I grinded for like to get the opportunity, you know, like I made the U S final in 2018. So like I heard my shot, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, I, uh, there was a lot of like very dark times. I'm like a very, I'm a strange person. Like I take a lot of like selfie videos and I don't do anything with them. Now they have an outlet, but before they didn't. And there's just so many like sad ones of me in the morning being like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, this is not worth it. (laughs) Now it's like, you get one good race and you get that adrenaline high and you're like, this is so worth it. I'm back. That's uh. That's the beauty of it. I feel like our coach used to call it just like running PRs is like doing drugs. It's like you just get that one. You don't even need it that often, but you get that one PR on your hook. Oh, yeah. Um, but what about the decision to even like go to Reebok in the first place and to work that? Like when you mm-hmm. were uh, deciding whether maybe to uh, pursue running professionally or full time at that point, um, like was that a tough decision for you at the time? Yeah. So I went to Dartmouth and in at Dartmouth, like, D1 athletics, I guess they are a big thing, but it's more about HEPs. Um, I don't know how much you guys talk about that on this podcast. If you ever had any other Ivy League people, but like we're obsessed with HEPs. Like conference me, like that is it. So that's a lot of peak for people. So there's not as much like success at the NCAA level. And so my teammate, Abby D'Agostino, was obviously like very successful at the NCAA level. But so in my mind, I was like, that is who goes pro. The seven-time national champion goes pro. Like I don't go pro. Like, that's who gets to go pro. And, like, I honestly didn't even know what USA's really were. I'm like, that's just something that Abby gets to do because she's that good. Um, so it was not until my senior spring that we kind of – my coach and I developed this, like, three-season plan. So we did cross-country. It was three-season taper. It was cross. It was a 6K indoor. We did 3K, and I didn't make NCAAs for, like, the first time, and I was so upset. Like, I was the first person out of that, too. And I was like, okay senior spring this is the last shot and I started the season off like a 420 something or 419 1500 pb and then by nationals I ended up running 411 and getting third so a 420 girl also doesn't really go proud a 411 girl maybe but I'd run at one time so I did the Dartmouth thing like I got a job so I already had the job before I got the job in like April so I was already all signed up and ready to work um, but I did like an unofficial visit somewhere, but other than that, I was like, you know, this work thing's probably not that bad. And it was great. I learned so much. I had an amazing team and all that, but I think I had to do the work thing first because I probably would have been pretty unhappy without having that first year of saying yes to the bars and all the other things that I said mm-hmm. no to for a while. I mean, not fully in college, but I definitely lived my first year out of college, like a normal person. Yeah, running such a cool sport like that where you're really not sure like when you're going to hit your prime and we have people on at all times so whether it was you know in college people that peak too early um and then people later on that that you know end up finding like their niche in an event you know maybe in their 30s or something so it's a really neat to see different athletes you know hit their stride at different times yeah definitely and the 1500 is funny because it's like when's jenny simpson gonna slow down never you know like it, it used to be like the young person's event but who knows like you never know when you're gonna peak I loved hearing you talking about the kind of Ivy League and how seriously people take that because I love that. I love, you know, there's something to be said for going after, you know, the the big meets, the national meets, the regional meets and stuff like that. But having this rivalry between 
conference and, and the people you're constantly going after. And it seems like the Ivy League specifically has there's a lot of pride about the Ivy League, right? And I kind of got this. You you were going in pretty hard when the Browns uh, men's track and field mm-hmm. program got cut. And I, I guess I was just wondering, is that what that stemmed from? Was that, were you looking at that as, uh, you know, what's, what's best for the sport and the program? And w- was that like, a, you know, you, you have pride about the Ivy League. So you care about these schools, even though they were your competition, you know, you care about them. Those are your, your rival schools that you're going against. So you want to see the best for them as well. Yeah, that was pretty disappointing. Um, but I have got my safe brown track shirt, which I is now, it. you know, a relic, <laughs> thankfully. But I mean, so we, my after my freshman year, the Ivy Leagues do this cool thing where um, you go to Europe once every four years. So the summer after my freshman year, we did, uh, we went to Ireland, England, and we traveled with the brown team. The Dartmouth team and the Brown team went together and we competed in Ireland, England. And it's like, they're, this, they're the same people as, as, as us, you know, like they're not that different. And I just thought it was so unfortunate to get rid of like an opportunity to go to an Ivy League school, especially in track, like one of the most diverse sports. It was just like super disappointing and like short-sighted and not well thought out. But the number one reason why I was upset is that track teams are not just like the men's in Ivy League, it's not the men's team and the women's team are separate. Like you have the same coaches. Like it matters a lot having like a unified team. So I think that would have really impacted the women's team. Like people wouldn't have wanted to go to Brown just to have like a women's only team. Like her, we share throws coaches, we share jumps coaches, we share everything, you know? So it basically was like, goodbye men and the women, you're screwed too. So I did not appreciate that at all. And I know programs now are getting booted left, right, and center across the country, and it's a super scary time, but a school with the resources and ability that Brown has should not be yeah. doing that. And yeah. the reason, the, I don't know if you guys know this, but one of the reasons why they cut all these teams is like improve excellence. And I was like, okay, you're improving excellence by like reducing the number of sports. It's like, why don't you improve excellence by like investing in the sports? We could try that one. Yeah. And, and the other kicker is like, I know that there's so much more that goes into it in terms of like title nine and needing to, to balance mm-hmm. out the amount of athletes you have, but a sport like track, a sport like cross and country doesn't cost that much money. Right. There's, no. there's, I mean, there's, there's other ways to do this. I mean, you could create another sport. You could, I, I, there, I just feel like cutting these programs was like, it's, it, it was like you said, it was scary for the sport and it was really, really mm-hmm. hurting the future of the sport in so many ways. Yeah. And Russell Dinkins, I mean, from Princeton was really the leader from the Ivy League. He just was, he's so articulate and well-spoken and kind of spoke of like, Hey, I was just a kid and that could have been me. You know, I didn't have any opportunity until I ran fast and track, you know, like this is just, it's opportunity lost. It's very sad. Yeah. So I think, you know, like I, I said at the, at the, at the beginning of the interview, most of the people that we're talking to are, you know, in Colorado or they're mm-hmm. in the Pacific Northwest. Very rarely do we get to kind of talk to a pro athlete that's training in our backyard. What's it like being a, a pro runner in Boston and training in Boston? Ooh, good question. Well, first of all, you guys need to interview more Boston runners because there's do. a lot of we us. Definitely do. <laughs> I think you're selectively picking here. Um, but yeah, I think Boston, as you guys know, has like a really phenomenal running community. And they're like the only reasons why I was successful post-collegiately. Like if there was not people from Heartbreakers, Tracksmith, BAA, like waking up at six in the morning and meeting me at Harvard, like there's no way I would have gone by myself. So that being aside, phenomenal running community and culture. 
it's not the easiest place to run for sure. <laughs> it is like just challenging. There's a lot of traffic. It's busy, but like my family is from here like I'm from the east coast you know I don't need to run away to the mountains to like do really well and I think sometimes we fantasize about this island not island this like mountain culture and kind of buying in and living the dream and all that and it's like you just have to work hard it doesn't really matter where you are like we have so much like we have so much compared to other countries we have so much like you can really do it anywhere it's just about being a good culture, working hard. I mean, we've got good trails. You might have to drive a little bit out to get to them, but yeah, I, I really enjoy like the general like respect for running that the city of Boston has overall. I love all the events, the community stuff. Um, but at the end of the day for me, it was just more about like being close to my family. You know, it's like I get to go drive an hour and a half and I get to be in Woods Hole and be with all of them or close to Dartmouth and things like that. And I think I would have struggled um, joining another team across the country, like if I got hurt, I don't have friends out there. <laughs> like, what if I'm hurt across the country and I'm just by myself? Like, that's gonna be really tough, you know. So I think it's, it's like what they tell you in college: like, don't pick a college because of the coach, because they might leave. Like, don't pick a college just because they're running, because running might go away. It's like, find somewhere you're going to be happy outside of running, and you'll like be a better runner. That's kind of my philosophy. Absolutely. Yeah. You got the, you got the double like positive too on the running side You have the Boston, obviously great running community, but Falmouth has like the running history too. Right. And having the road race there. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like wherever you go, sounds like in your spots, um, you're just surrounded by a really, you know, really great running community. That's, that seems like it's motivating for you. Yeah. You know, we're tough out here. It's like, hell yeah. We were gritty <laughs> and like Ellie Purr, freaking American record holder indoor in the mile. It's like, you just, we still get to do as pro runners. Like we're very lucky. We get to do all two camps. We kind of get the best of both worlds, but ideally it's like, you're traveling all the time too. You kind of want home base to be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's this, there's this, there's a grittiness. There's a history to the sport of history of like, you know, gritty runners in the seventies and eighties that were just normal people that were training like pro athletes. And every once in a while, one of them would pop and, mm-hmm. you know, compete to, to win the Boston marathon. So there's a, there's a heritage there. There's a history. And it's, I, I, I agree that this, there's a running culture in the city and around the city that's unlike anywhere in the world. So, um, couldn't agree with you more there. Um, for sure. so Thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome having you on. Everybody, go check out Dana's podcast, More Than Running. It's it's a it's a it's a very interesting take on the sport. It had a lot of really cool interviews. I think you just finished up season one, correct? Yeah, little little plug about the podcast. It's um, mainly interviewing women in the sport who women's sport receives overall like only four percent of all media coverage across all sports. So anytime you get a chance to watch women's sports, it's huge. Um, and it's more about telling the stories about the characters in the sport. So I just had my roommate on was the last episode, Heather McLean. And, you know, a lot of people reached out and were like, I just never knew that. I'm like, yeah, it's like, she does other things than run a 425 mile and a 240. And like, let's take a second to learn about them. But it's, it's been so fun. So rewarding. Season two is going to come out and we're going to, um, reach out to more cool and interesting women. Um, so yeah, thank you. Stay tuned. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're, we're fans. So go check it out. But we end every interview with a quick game. Mike, oh, why don't you kick yeah. off down the home stretch? Down the home stretch. Yeah, we're not going to let you off that easy. <laughs> Play this game down the home stretch. Rapid fire questions. Okay. We were just talking about it. But your topic is going to be running in Boston. 
Okay. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do I hope it. it's not trivia because that'd be really hard. <laughs> no, no trivia. There might be a trivia so question. Maybe trivia. some trivia. Can't, I don't know. Can't guarantee anything. Um, all right, Dana, when you're, when you're running on the Charles River, um, mm-hmm. which direction do you like to go more? So do you go Cambridge towards the city and then Boston away, or do you Boston side towards the city and then Cambridge away? I guess that depends where you live. Uh, but I used to live in the South End, so I would do Boston side, Museum of Science, Cambridge, back around. Okay. Okay. Great choice. Is that the right choice? Yeah, I mean, there's no wrong answers here. We're, we're a very supportive <laughs> podcast. I, I like the Cambridge side, though, because it's got more dirt. Yes. Yeah. I like, to do, I like to do Boston side towards the city. I just like the view on that side a little bit better. Yeah. And then you cross over like Museum of Science and come back Cambridge side. Um, then you get a little more dirt kind of on your way home there. So yeah. I mean, now we don't do as much of that because we go from Harvard. So we really kind of go the other way, actually. Mm. Like a way away from the city. So I don't really see it that often anymore. I don't even know it's out there. <laughs> it's pretty. You should check it out. It's a lot of rowers. So much crew. All right. Another Charles River running question. When you run along the Charles on an average run, how many people do you have to race? So I race no one. How many people race oh, me is the question. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like every time I run along the Charles, I just have to, I have to end up beating like five people in a race. They run up next to you and they try to match your pace and you can't be beat out there. Yeah. I have a, uh, I made a, this is my embarrassing, but my quarantine hobby was TikTok. So I made a TikTok rant about like people running and racing against you. And like, especially guys like running in front of you and slowing down. That was my hot take was <laughs> it's like, they'll pass you, but then they'll slow down. And because you're running faster than them before, it just happens like two or three times in a row. That's a frequent <laughs> occurrence on the Charles. You got to bury them and embarrass them. Yeah. But you know, I'm just trying to do my own thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so you get to a busy intersection. You got across the road, but you got the little, you know, red walkie symbol. What, what are you doing there? Are you doing like the little like at the light dance, or you're shaking oh, no. your legs out? Are you gonna like bolt across the street? Anyways, how are you approaching this this scenario? I'm taking the break. Taking, taking the break. In. I love That's it. That's the right answer. That's yeah, the right answer. For sure. Every time, I often get upset when the walk signs there. I'm like, I was expecting this break. <laughs> All right, Anna, what's the best place to run within a 20-minute drive of, you know, downtown Boston or wherever you're living? Ooh, uh, I guess Battle Road. It's pretty mm. phenomenal going down to but Parking and Merriam's Corner. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of do a little bit more dirt out there. It's just concrete's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Spend a lot of time on Battle Road. What's, what's your, your strategy for running by Fenway Park either when a game's about to start or when a game gets out because those crowds are tough to manage and you got to get by. I honestly don't think I've had that experience yet. You know, maybe I should put on my bucket list of things to do. But I honestly, I don't like running near the fence because of the, uh, especially when it gets dark because of the the history with the people getting murdered there. (laughs) (laughs) Can't have that. Watch The Departed. I've watched too many like murder podcasts about like 25 year old women getting murdered. Oh yeah. All right. So what is the threshold of a Boston winner that is going to put you on a treadmill? The only thing that'll put me on a treadmill is ice. Okay. Like I've done a Hanover winner. A Boston winner is weak compared to a Hanover (laughs) winner. Uh, In the words of, I think it's my old coach 
that stole it from Bill Bowerman. There's no such thing as bad weather, just soft people. Love it. All right. So being a Bostoner is all about Trent. Hit it with the last question. All right. This may not apply to you as a pro runner, but what's the best or your favorite track to sneak into to do an indoor track workout? Oh, I think I'm going to say outdoor track because that's, that's a different answer. Indoor track workout. I mean, BU, if you can do it. I wouldn't recommend sneaking in there. They don't enjoy that. <laughs> but for outdoor, it. MIT, Secret Jam. Oh, the yeah. best. Highly underutilized. The best really? track in the city. Oh, yeah. I think I still have my 200-meter Strava KOM on there. I think it thinks I ran like 26 seconds, which is not true, but I'm keeping it. <laughs> I have some good Strava KOMs on the Charles, though, for sure. And I do get upset when a biker steals. That's the only time on Strava I will go on and report. <laughs> I'm gonna start finding those and start racing you out there for him. Yeah, but see, it's a different category. I don't really care about. Trent, that. I don't think you, <laughs> you can beat Trent, me. I don't Go think ahead. Chance. I just meant I want to, you know, cut cut you off and have oh, an the, angry TikTok rant. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, for I sure. I want to be the subject of your TikTok rant. You should. You should. The best Java segment in all of Boston. Um, ben Weingart, amazing photographer, local guy. He has the one in front of the MFA, the Museum of Fine Arts, and it's these massive baby head sculptures. Yep. And it's baby head to baby head is the segment. <laughs> go get that yeah. one. Right. I'm familiar with those statues, so go check it out. Yeah, that's a good one. Anyways, Dana, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. For sure. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, that interview with Dana is brought to you by Bell Lap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lap boys. Look good, feel good, run good. We've said it a million times. Get to their Instagram page. Get to their brand new website that is a very well done website, might I add. I mean, they put their time into it. They designed something that's very good, very professional. It's got all the gear that they're selling there. And like we've said a million times, by purchasing some awesome swag, I have some of their swag. It's unbelievable. You are literally making the sport better because you are giving professional athletes a chance to get to that next level. So get there, do it, do your part, and let's, let's, let's improve the sport together. And I just got a package today. Our guys at the Bell Lap Track and Field Gear sent us the P2E Bell Lap collab hats that go to the age group winners of the P2E two mile. So that's all going out in the mail tomorrow. They're so awesome. I'll post a picture. They're, they're cool. I already, I already talked to our guy, Chief, over there about doing another P2E Bell Lap collab for sale potentially. Um, but look for more of those because they are awesome. So on that, on the topic of the P2E virtual mile, you know, we, I mean, we're just joking about it. Like we want to get back to real racing. Like we want, we were sick of this virtual stuff, but we think we can continue to, while there's no real racing, while there's no cross country racing this fall, we think we can still do some virtual stuff. That's kind of fun. And I wanted to throw out some ideas. Cause I want to, A, I want to, you know, do something fun for the P2E community, more racing and B, we need to capture a little bit of cross country this fall, right? We can't, we can't go an entire fall without any cross country. So, you know, shout out to Dan Gordon, Dan Gordon, sorry. He sent us a DM talking about potential ideas for uh, virtual cross country race. 
And I wanted to throw it out and see what you guys thought. So one of his ideas was what if we identify like iconic cross country courses from around the country, right? And, uh, and do something cool about that. So like we have all these mini races uh, around the country at iconic cross country courses. And then we do something where the winners face off against each other. What do you think? Stepping on some of the old courses that, you know, the iconic ones in New England, at least the ones that I'll associate with, done some other meets in other parts of the country. But you think of like Franklin Park in Massachusetts or shout out New Hampshire, probably Dairy Field is the go-to. Whenever you're there, even if you're not like in any sort of shape, you just get out, you're doing a slow little jog for old time's sake. You can't help but just like get the adrenaline pumping and your speed, your pace just goes so much faster. It's, it's like you spend enough time in one of these courses, whether you're racing or spectating, it just becomes like, this this entity that can just totally like fire you up and so if we can get a race where i get to go out and, and run you know 20 minutes slower than i used to on some <laughs> of those times well, well maybe i just won't bring my watch out for it but no that'll be that'll be freaking awesome and i think all the washed up runners out there that are listening to this are, are gonna freaking like love the idea of finding an afternoon to get out seeing the leaves fall and run that old course it's, it, i think that's a great idea I mean, I think like my favorite part of this idea is just identifying. Yeah. Like on, honestly, like creating a map right across the country of what the iconic cross country courses are just because obviously I know the, the Northeast ones very well. I've run on a lot of them and I've, you know, spent a lot of blood, sweat and tears on a lot of them, but across the country, I would say, I don't know them all that well so being able to like identify a map and just all these input of what the great cross country courses are around the country would be unbelievable and the race would be great i think it would get people back into the spirit of cross country but just being able to like create this cool cross country community where we're all familiarizing ourselves with what cross country is not just in your own neighborhood but everywhere in the united states would be incredible what are the, uh, so I have, there's two that come to mind, but what are the two iconic, I don't know where freaking Derry, New Haven, that's not, that's not an iconic cross country cross, but in the Northeast region of the United States, what are the two, the two iconic courses that come to mind? I mean, obviously there's two, Franklin there's two Park. that pop up. Franklin Park is the number that's, one. Yeah. Number one. What's number two? Van Cortland. Van Cortland's number two. Van Cortland. If, if yeah, New York yeah. wants to be part of the Northeast. I don't yeah. Know, but. Yeah. Sure. So, they I mean, we definitely have, to, we definitely have those two, but, um, yeah, I mean, we have people from all over the country. I, I mean, multiple, multiple countries that listen. So, um, you know, we got a lot of Canadian listeners. So, you know, if people want to shoot us, shoot us over DM, let us know what you, what in your state, your region, what is the iconic cross country course? Because we really don't know, you know, so let, let us know. Um, and then, you know, maybe we can have reach out to some of our, like our, uh, you know, loyal listeners and have them kind of be the ambassador to run the race in that, at that course or that region. So just some ideas, you know, cause like I said, gotta do something. We can't go this whole, this whole fall without cross country. We gotta do something. I mean, I love it. I, I think if you can get like create an ambassador in as many locations as possible, I mean, just look at the three of us, right? Like Steve, like you could be the Franklin park ambassador trends. You could, be the whatever Derry, New Hampshire ambassador. <laughs> I 
we'll do a little bit of research to find out what the iconic Connecticut cross country course is. And I could be the Connecticut ambassador. I mean, what if we got like as many states as possible and then, you know, go international, like find out how many ambassadors we can get and just create this cross country community. I mean, it'd be unbelievable. So that's the goal. The first step is we got to create a map, right. And, and, and list out the iconic cross country course for that state. So that's state, that's step number one. And we'll go from there. So, or, you know, what are they in Canada? Providence provinces. (laughs) Yeah. Something like state or province. Yeah. (laughs) Let us know what your iconic cross country course is. We'll start putting together a map and we'll go from there and we'll come up with something cool. There's going to be some great battles too, right? Like, like a state, you know, we don't really have that here in New England, but say like Texas, I'm sure there's five or seven, you know, iconic courses, California. So I want to like get some nice input from case. some people out there. Yeah, yeah. You have to like make your case. We can do a little Instagram battle or whatever, you know, vote for the most iconic course in, in that state yeah. or something. But there's, that's going to be some real good conversation. Maybe we could have a little bonus episode where we have people plead their case for a specific state cross country course Ooh. and have a little listener vote. Let, let the people decide like on it. what the, what the, you know, break the ties. I like it. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep brainstorming that. We'll, we'll think a little bit, but send us a DM, let us know what you think. So, all right, boys, let's kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't feel like it, but we are like hours away from football season. It's insane to me. It is insane to me that we are this close to football season. Trent and I were kind of talking about it before we got on the show here. And it's like, I don't know if it's the lack of preseason or just everyone's distracted with other things or if the NFL has been like specifically trying to, I don't know, calm down the hype to not bring COVID into their world, right? Like not like you you can have your conspiracy theories, but it doesn't feel like football season yet. I think another big thing is you have the NHL playoffs going on, the NBA playoffs going on. Sports are going wild right now, but I'm ready to go, right? I mean, I've had a long time to process what's going on in the the Patriots world and the football world. And I am, I feel like sports don't feel fully back until football starts until that first kickoff this Thursday, I'm ready to roll. Track is taking a little bit of break, so we'll you know have a nice little downtime to focus on other sports. I'm ready to roll for football. Let's go, Pats. This is the start of something huge, and I'm, I'm ready for it. I think we're all dying for some normalcy in the world. And, like, we we're starting it. to get sports back. Like, we're getting little tastes of normalcy here and there. You can get limited, uh, you know, seating at restaurants. You can go sit outside, but, you know, the kickoff, to football even though there might not be any fans in the stands the kickoff to football when it's supposed to be will be the first dose of normalcy we've had in like six months so i'm pumped about that trent what do you got people in the bell at i'm gonna stay on the sports theme here uh gotta shout out the celtics right now um they uh they've been awesome right they, they had that crazy loss me and steve were talking about it uh on my birthday they really ruined my birthday with that one but uh they recovered well and i just love using this uh, you know, platform that we have to just talk about things that I really care about. And that's just, you know, pumping up the Celtics and, and talking about Marcus Smart and those types of things. So uh, thanks for the opportunity, guys, to listen to me, just tell you that you should be excited for uh, the Celtics game six tomorrow night. 
Yeah. Uh, or I don't tonight, depending on when you listen to this. Yeah. I mean, both those guys, those, you two stole my two bell laps. So I, I got nothing other, uh, nothing to say other than do us a favor. Please, uh, you know, rate us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. And just tell one friend about this podcast. If you like this podcast and you think you know somebody that also might like them, like it as well, um, just tell them about it. Because that's how we're going to grow a little bit. And that's how we're going to keep, you know, growing this, this P2E family. So, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike? Hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that you want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love And so, if the Heat beat Milwaukee, we play the Eastern Conference Finals against the fucking Heat. <laughs> That's if we beat Toronto, but yeah. Yeah. Try not to get ahead of ourselves. But if here. we can't beat Toronto, then we don't stand any chance of, I mean, doing anything anyways. But we could potentially be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals against the fucking against Heat. Against the Heat. Yeah. Oh, baby. Which is wild. Crazy. Crazy.